Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am your host. Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves. This is episode 69 where I'm going to be talking to activist Orla Murphy about their arrest and their time in prison and civil disobedience and why it matters and why should why we should be supporting and helping in any way we can. Before I get into that, I just want to apologise for my hiatus. I'm usually good bringing out an episode every single second week I was like how do you say it? every single fortnight that's the phrase and yeah between having a awful kidney infection and then genuinely also being just overwhelmed with the heat waves that have been happening and been kind of numbed into uh, inaction for uh, a few days and then feeling like guilty about pursuing my own career and you know wanting to live my life but also be an activist for the environment as well I just didn't have the energy to do anything and uh, unfortunately the podcast gave way for the first time I'm usually very good at bringing out an episode on every fortnight so apologies if you were waiting but sure here we are now and this episode is nice and long to make up for it because Orla just had so much experiences to share and while not everything in this is about is about um climate injustice there's also other injustices that we talk about that are just as important to change and to um add leaves to our own book if we can change anything that we do to help break down those injustices as well so I'll skip right to it and uh, before you hear Orla I just also want to say that this coming weekend uh, the 31st of July 2022 for anyone listening in the future I'm actually going to be at All Together Now doing another panel talk on artivism which is something I did at another festival a few weeks ago so I'm going to have a few artists with me of different mediums and we're going to chat about how art can be used to ignite change how to inspire civil disobedience how it's been used by the civil disobedience movement but also how it can be used to just spark conversation etc so if anyone finds themselves at that festival please do come along and if you yourself would like to be on this podcast get in touch if you have any suggestions please do get in touch and as always give us a follow on instagram and if you can support this podcast on patreon or buymeacoffee.com that would be greatly appreciated and thank you so much to the people who are already doing that you are covering the zencaster monthly fee so i really really appreciate that okay guys here is orla's really really important story I'm Orla, I'm 21, uh, I'm from Cork, um, I'm based in Glasgow at the moment. Don't really know what else to say about myself, just the, about it. I don't know. The I, basics. The basics, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. So what was it that inspired your activism? What was the turning point for you? Were you always aware as a child or did you watch a documentary or what was it that sparked this for you? So I think it's like different things at different times provoked me to to get to different places I mean you learn about the climate crisis when you're in school in primary school and secondary school about like just kind of very detachedly what a, a greenhouse gas is and what that will like that what it goes up into the atmosphere and then this you know the whole like effect and all that jazz um but you don't really emotionally connect to it because 
I mean, mm. that's not what we do in our education system. And I remember, like, when I was, like, a really young kid, like, I could always, like, name, like, the capital countries of a load of different places and a capital, sorry, cities of a load of different countries and was always, like, interested in the world and politics. And I remember, like, you know, watching the election results when I was, like, 10, like, coming in and Jeez. just... Yeah, massive nerd. Um, but like just in like a kind of interested in the world kind of way. And then my mom always says that like I used to always be on about like fairness, like that's not fair, that's so unfair, like constantly. And I do definitely feel that and like definitely have got that from my mom a lot. Like she's a nurse and she's worked with like different voluntary groups, like with um Cork AIDS Alliance during the nineties and early two thousands, but like getting healthcare for people with AIDS and more um knowledge around that and then with like different homelessness charities and stuff like Cork Simon. Yeah, so like I've been brought up with that sense of like justice and doing the right thing and just being trying to be a good person. And then I guess just seeing injustice after injustice after injustice spurred that on to get, I guess, a deeper understanding of the world. And I guess I don't I hate using the word passion because it's kind of used as like, oh, isn't it great you found your passion? But like a more like understanding and more fire, I guess, to fight for what's right. And, you know, I, I have chronic fatigue syndrome. I had to drop out of school when I was like 15 because of that. Um, and just going through the healthcare system and realizing like how awful that is. Seeing, you know, people who didn't have the money to go privately, just how you're basically left to die because that's what we do in this country. If you don't have enough money, you you're left to die. There's no consultant area, tough shit. And, you know, different issues with the police. Um, when I um went to school in the city and I'd I'd friends that were like people of colour and like seeing like how how awful the police are to them. All these different issues, like just as I grew up, like seeing just in the injustice of the world and then the climate crisis was just like the pinnacle of that, I guess. Um, and just yeah, again with that, just learning how how awful it is and like different levels at different times and that kind of made me get more and more involved the more I learned and the more I realized, you know, how bad it is. So yeah, that's kind yeah. of so the path you've ended up taking is really heavily around civil resistance now. Um, for anyone who hasn't listened to Zach's episode with me, which I would definitely recommend, can you, like, what is civil resistance for people? So civil resistance or civil disobedience is like a form of taking back your power that so many different people at different times throughout our history have used. If we're sitting here now, like, as someone identifies as non-binary but is like thought of as a woman to everyone else like I've so many of those rights come from people who've taken part in civil resistance or civil disobedience before me as a Catholic you know I wouldn't have any rights um you know I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things I do unless Daniel O'Connell and that movement had like been gotten mm-hmm. us like emancipation that way um as a queer person you know all these different like aspects of my identity and a lot of people's identities we wouldn't be able to be who we are and you know it's Sunday. We wouldn't have a weekend if it wasn't for civil disobedience either. Um, like all these different rights that we have come from this history of civil disobedience. And it's basically like power is your ability to tell people what to do and taking back your power and using that to fight for change and to fight for what's right is civil disobedience is taking back recognizing your power and saying I'm not going to obey the order I'm not going to obey the government I'm not going to obey the laws that are unjust I'm going to go beyond that Um, and and I recognize that it's not just voting it's not just being a consumer it's not just money that is my power it's also using my body and my ability to 
yeah say no and and do that in different ways from like you know what Gandhi did with the salt marches through to like the suffragettes and the civil rights movement in the states um civil rights movement in Northern Ireland all these different groups came together and yeah decided to enough was enough and that they had to do something more yeah I can explain like a bit an example about like the freedom riders if that's like helpful yeah like an example for people probably will be good it's all like yeah I think it's always good to hear um, the Freedom Riders, like I sorry, a lot of people have heard of them probably, um, were like a group of students in the States in the 1960s who decided under Jim Crow that there was like just horrific things happening daily to people of colour and they decided that they couldn't they couldn't live in this world anymore with that reality that they had to do everything they possibly could to stop that from being the case and to create change and like it just hadn't been happening in the movement. So they had the successful Montgomery boy, bus boycotts, but then it just dissipated and it were like, when's this change going to happen? When are we finally going to get our rights? And so they were like students, the first in their um, families to go to uni and they decided that they were going to give everything up and they were going to go on this freedom ride, which was uh, they were going to take the bus from the north of the United States down to the south, down to Alabama, the heart of darkness, the most you know violently racist place in the country and so the law was that like the buses were meant to be um desegregated on a national scale that was like the the law in the whole country but the states weren't enforcing that or they were enforcing the opposite they were um segregating the buses and they said look this is somewhere where this got the u.s government is weak they're not enforcing the the laws as they should be they should be um allowing desegregation and they're not and so um a group of 13 young people decided that they were half white half black and um, like six white sm black decided that they were going to go on this um this trip and knowing that they would face like horrible repression that's what they did and like that provoked such a horrific reaction once they got to Alabama the bus was set on fire they were eventually got out of the bus and they were beaten up then the ambulances refused to take them to hospital and then they were asked like you know in hospital when they were eventually taken they're like have you learned your lesson now will you do like you know sit back and like abide by the rules stop like causing trouble and they said no I'll go back out tomorrow and that's the spirit of what we need to do and is to be that willing to go to the extent that we need to go to yeah so the resistance in that example was like challenging that stupidity of segregating bosses and doing the thing that they weren't meant to do to highlight the violence of the system and provoking that violent reaction uh similar stuff happened with like the lunch counter protests that they did again in the civil rights movement where you know black people weren't allowed to sit at the the lunch counter in certain areas uh so they went and they sat there and then they waited for the horrible reaction that was happened which they were beaten up and and arrested Hmm. and so it's like yeah using those kind of methods to challenge the system and to try and like highlight and awaken like and show people like this is what's happening this is stupid why are we doing this and that's I guess what civil resistance is yeah and I mean it might be easy for us now to look back at those times and go those are such simple you know, it's common sense to not have segregation. Not It's more than just common sense, but it's like the most basic thing to not have segregation on a bus or to let anyone sit at a lunch counter. Like those are things that we fully accept now, but we cannot f- with full certainty say that um, 80 years ago, 
we would have been on side A or side B. Say we only think that now because that's the norm. And, you know, we like to think that we are progressive people and most people, you know, want everyone to have equal rights. So they say and so they advocate. But like we cannot say for 100% certainty that we would have been on the side of the Freedom Riders. So I think it's quite easy now to be like, ah, yeah, fair play to them, but that's obvious. But only now, really, that's where we are in kind of society. Obviously, there's still lots of racism and and oppression in so many forms that exist out there. But now we're at a case of needing civil resistance to fight the climate and ecological emergency because the campaigning and the petitioning for so long has not worked and the crisis is snowballing. And now people are looking at us being like, I use are wasting your time. Really, honestly, what are you doing? Get a real job. All of that kind of stuff. And in how many years time they're going to look back at activists and go, oh, like, obviously we would have been on their side. You know, it's because I you have re- um, experienced resistance, not only at the hand of the justice system, but you have also received backlash for your actions. So I guess for people who don't know, Your first action, the first time you got arrested, you targeted the Department of Agriculture. So what was the story around that? So yeah, so they had the um, sustainable, or they had, I think they might have taken them down now, but they had the sustainable development goals, which are like, you know, the UN goals of like how we develop sustainably on these like big light up signs in the window of the Department of Agriculture. And it's just kind of odd, to be honest, that they have them there. Yeah, they're not really there for any apparent reason, but these goals are developed Mm -hmm. so that we can develop in a sustainable way so that we don't cause ecological collapse, so that we don't cause the climate crisis, so that we don't pollute our water, so that we, you know, people can live and not die from horrific stuff because of like, or the way that we develop, the way that like business is happening, basically. And the Irish government is facilitating this horrific system that is killing people that is polluting our water that is creating deforestation that is killing all these different species that is actively killing people right now releasing huge amounts of emissions i mean i can list like so many different examples we have you know the liquid natural gas terminals that they're um trying to build which is like importing fracked gas which we banned in the eu but they just think it's grand to import the data centers that are like going to take huge amount of our electricity and horrific trade agreements like CETA, the Canadian trade agreement, which is, you know, going to create a new court system, just special court system for corporations to sue the government so that we can't introduce any protection for people and for the environment and by extension people by protecting the environment. And this is what our country is doing. And then they have the cheek Mm -hmm. like, throw these goals as if they're like oh aren't we great we're so woke we know what the UN said aren't look at us brilliant job done we have stuck up some signs and people are literally dying because of their actions and not only have they are they doing that are they criminal in that respect they have the absolute cheek and disgust to stick those up in their building and act like you know as a promotional tool as if they're not very real things that we should be acting towards um, and so I was just like, what in God's name are they doing? Like, I just don't understand this at all. It makes no sense. 
and it's really horrible so I was like I'm gonna spray paint that window so they have like the climate goal near the door of the department of agriculture so I was like I'll spray paint over that so I just had a little stencil and I spray painted it's all for show four times over the window mm-hmm. and then sat down with a sign that said this is a disgrace and then I was arrested I was a hundred euro worth of damage it was only four sprays of a can it wasn't really a lot and I thought that I'd just get a caution because it was like a first offence and such a small first offence they offered me the caution I talked to the solicitor just to make sure that that was okay that I would accept the caution I was going to accept the caution and then they told me I would no longer be allowed the caution that they'd gotten a call from the superintendent, which is really strange that a superintendent would be calling someone about a hundred euro worth of minor, minor, minor damage. Um, Jesus, yeah. And they said, yeah, the sergeant looked really guilty. He offered me a cup of tea because he was like, I really shouldn't be doing this which is like a constant theme with the guards that they know that they're they know that they're doing the wrong thing some of them are awful absolutely horrific but a good few of the ones that I've come across look really guilty when they're doing it and wow. it's so like it's mad and so anyway they charged me with criminal damage they brought me to court so they didn't give me they didn't allow me out of the station so they had arrested me brought me to the station charge me and then usually you just get it especially for an offense that small you would just get out on bail straight away but they decided no it's too serious an offense which is coming from the superintendent because it's a government building very serious and that I have to be brought to court for court bail which is way more enforceable and way more strict and I can't be let out until I see a judge basically so they then take me to court I've no idea where I am at this point because like I don't know Dublin that well and, and how um, old were you at this point as well? This is a couple of years ago. Um, I was 19, I think, for all of this. Yeah, mm. 19. Yeah, I was just like not expecting it at all. I was just pretty scared and out of it. And uh, yeah, you're like when you're in courthouse cells, like it's in you're in the basement and they're awful. They're the worst cells you'll ever be in. Like police station cells in Ireland particularly are quite bad. Prison cells are the best cells, I guess, because you're there for such a long time. But yeah. court cells are absolutely horrific. Like there's a toilet in the middle of the cell. Um, you're in there with other people. There's no, like, it's just like a concrete bench and it's in the basement. So it's absolutely freezing. And they never, they don't have food really. So they feed, they let me like a roll, but it was like had meat in it. And so I couldn't eat it because I'm vegan. And yeah, it was just, it's pretty grim. Yeah, I was brought in front of the judge and they banned me from Dublin too. So like the centre of Dublin and all government buildings which for, again, just to repeat the offence, is a hundred euro worth of criminal damage uh, mm-hmm. or hundred euro worth of damage, which is like tiny, a few sprays of a can. Like, I mean, there's graffiti artists out there that have been like picked up for this kind of thing and like they're not they're not facing that. That's not a normal, yeah. a first offence for that kind of thing is very unusual. And the fact that a superintendent would get involved again, really strange. But it's clear that like they knew it was a protest. They knew mm-hmm. it was climate related. And they decided that they and they knew I was on my own, so they decided to shut it down. And like that is like so make an example of it, absolutely. And like the guards should not be doing things like that. That shouldn't be like that's not their role. That's not their job. If they're meant to be independent from the state, from the government, then why are they shutting down protests? The judiciary, why are they facilitating that? Why are they allowing bail conditions to go through? of banning someone from government buildings, which is high, obviously clearly political at that point, isn't it? 
And so, yeah, that was like my first arrest. Yeah, it's almost as if the Department of Agriculture as well was very unhappy and perhaps pulling strings. Who knows? But you did go on to uh, do a second action if you want to let us know what that one was. Yeah, so I was told like after the first one, which was in um, December of like, 2020 that if I did anything else I'd be put on remand and sent to prison so I was like I've literally just decided that like I'm willing to get arrested that I think I know this crisis is so bad I know that this is necessary I'm willing to get arrested for it I definitely wasn't at a point where I was like willing to go to prison because I was like in college studying film I just want to do my films and I don't really want to like have to do that that's not something I want to happen to me And so I just went back to college and like was working away at that. But it was just, it was the Fridays for Future Global Day of Action um, in March of 2021. It was the last one I was going to be like a teenager for because I was going to turn 20 in May. And I just felt like something needs to be done on this day because we've had COVID and there's been lockdowns and it was still like, we were still in like the height of lockdown. Like you couldn't go 20 kilometers outside your house, away from your house. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, we can't have the impact of like 5,000 people on the streets of like Cork, which is what we had at the height of like Fridays for Future in Cork. But we need the same impact of that because this crisis is getting worse and worse and worse. But like, we've just kind of taken a step back. And I guess it was because, you know, we had built up so much momentum in the climate movement. But then to see that all fade with COVID, it must have been really disheartening for like the key organisers of that. And it was like this one tactic that we had And then we couldn't do that one tactic anymore and we just didn't seem to like evolve and create something better. But the climate crisis is still getting worse and worse and worse. So I was like, we need to use some other method. Civil resistance can get us what we need. Like we can do something more impactful with fewer people because of COVID, but with that has a bigger bang, I guess, than like just a march. And so I kind of was trying to get people involved in that and they weren't mad keen, to be honest. So I was like, okay, it's me. It's just me. One individual with Zach offered to come and help me um, like with filming and stuff. What can I do on this day? And I was like, the Department of Foreign Affairs, because we're on the UN Security Council at the moment, which is kind of insane because we're a country of 4.5 million people and we're on this like super exclusive like UN body that has like so much power. And David Attenborough addressed the council back in um, February of that year, last year. And uh, he said that the climate crisis is the biggest threat to global security. And Simon Coveney said in response that Ireland will stand up for young people women and the least developed countries in the face of the climate crisis. What a load of absolute horseshit because not even looking at climate for a second, just looking at like what he has done for those groups. Like personally, he's been in TD longer than I've been alive. He's been a minister for like various, has various very big roles, been tarnished a minister for foreign affairs, minister for agriculture, mm. has had so much power for so long and his party and for him Which to Which party make... is he part of? Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil? Uh, Fianna Gael. And for him to say like that, given like, you know, the survival health scandal where like some women have died because of the government neglect- negligence with the results of the uh, survival cancer tests, the, with direct provisions still existing under his government where we're sticking people into like these awful centres um, after they're fleeing, already fleeing horrific situations and then making it way worse for them 
by locking them up in these centers and not allowing them to work and paying them a pittance um, yeah the conditions from the food the food they're they're fed it can't be called food they have cockroaches and mice infestations like they're horrific places and like that's what his government is doing for you know there's young people in those centers there's women in those centers and most of them are from the least developed countries and so that's what he's doing for it and for him to have the absolute again cheek of this government to bold-faced lie and to present ourselves as if Ireland and as if that this government is doing a great job in relation to any of these issues of justice is so disgusting like Okay, one it's one thing to like do it, do this disgusting stuff, like be criminal, be horrific, actively be facilitating the murder of people, yeah. you know, making the climate crisis worse and worse and worse, having these horrific systems like direct provision, failing young people left, right and center, doing nothing about the housing crisis, having a horrific healthcare system. Yada yada yada, we could go on. But like the absolute just lying and the cheek to like try and present his government as like as if we're as if he's protecting people as if they're doing anything for these groups was just so awful and the fact that the Fridays for Future Global Day of Action theme like they have a like a theme for all these different days that they have and it was no more empty promises was the theme for that day and it was like oh this is an absolute horrific empty promise completely highlights like exactly the heart of these issues and yeah, so I decided that um, I was going to do an action targeting him and uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs. And so I threw two buckets of pink paint and I spray painted No More Empty Promises over and over again. And I had some posters as well that I stuck up until I was stopped and then arrested. Yeah. And you like there's videos. So Zach literally just just uh, accompanied you to film because obviously if a tree falls in a forest is anyone there to hear like you want people to know what you're doing at the same time it's not something that you want to keep secret on the video you can see the people come out of the building and start getting quite verbally aggressive with you and trying to get you to stop and everything but you were arrested you did end up actually going to prison straight from this so can you tell us about that experience and if there was anything then that jumped out in the arresting process as well? With the arrest itself, um, yeah, not really, but it was it was quite a rough arrest and the interview that was quite horrible. Um, they asked me, was I stupid and was I doing this for attention? Um, and just like were really snide and Jeez. mean. And it was just two like again, two older white men asking me a 19 year old just sitting there on my own didn't have a solicitor because they couldn't make it down yeah was I stupid and was I doing this for attention and just all these little snide comments um just to try and get under your skin and try and like bait you into saying something stupid it's just a horrible horrible system and they don't Mm -hmm. feed you in Ireland uh the police cells are quite awful they're actually way worse than they are in the UK so yeah that's I guess the only bits within that and the fact that like the two men who came out, they actually were just like onlookers. They were like from across the street. They didn't actually work in the in the department. They came out and they were so horrified that I was spray painting the Department of Foreign Affairs. Like one of the men grabbed me again, two older men grabbing me and telling me I'm nuts, just yelling in my face constantly. Again, all the damage has been removed. So it's not even permanent damage. 
to a building rather than the climate crisis. They don't care about the climate crisis. They didn't listen to a word I was saying, even though I was trying to explain to them. It's insane to see how many, how much people care about a building more so than like the place we all live and, you know... The eat- air we breathe and the, you know, the species around us that we rely on and, you know, you know everything, the places you love to go on your holidays to, the food you eat, all of these things. But people... There's just such a huge disconnect there. Huge, huge disconnect. So yeah, it was, it's horrific to kind of see that in those videos. And then what was your, your experience like? You Did you expect to be going to prison for, for that? Yeah, I was told um, after the first one that I'd likely be going to prison. And I assumed that like they were just going to do the worst thing they could do to me because that's what they'd done the first time. So I assumed they'd continue on that trend. And I was like prepared for that. They did offer me bail in the end, but... The conditions were banned from Dublin, banned from all government buildings, um, having to sign on at a police station every day um, in Cork and live at home in Cork. I just remember how shit I felt after the first time accepting like bail conditions that were unjust. And I just don't think that uh, the police or the judiciary or the government should be able to ban you from the capital city. Like, I don't think that, that that's okay to do that to someone you know is a protester um, who's trying to highlight something and you're trying to keep them away from the people in power and that's just wrong. So I decided mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to allow them to do that and just make their job easy for them. And so I refused to sign the bail conditions and I went to prison. Um, so I was taken to the Doka Centre, um, which ironically, like, Dokus is the Irish word for hope. So it's called the Hope Centre, which is really, really fucked up. I spent 10 days in isolation. So I was 24 hours in a cell and I didn't get out of that cell. Um, your only human contact is with the officers when they come to give you food uh, twice a day. Um, and in the morning when they come to give you meds, they'll check in. And was on that you. just because of COVID or do they have something like that in place all the time? That was because of COVID. But yeah, it was because of COVID. Um, it's meant to be seven days. And then it um, was a further three because they couldn't find me a cell to stick me into because of overcrowding, I reckon. But I'm not Jesus. sure. I mean, it's, it is illegal to not let someone out for wreck, like for um, outside of the cell. They should, even with COVID isolation, they should be allowing you out for at least a half an hour of exercise. Like that's the law. Um, but they just didn't do that. And I didn't know the law um, around my rights as a prisoner because they're also meant to give you an orientation and tell you about the rules of the prison. And I didn't receive that either. They also, you're allowed to have a canteen uh, shop which they give you a form for and then you can buy things to like supplement your meals because the meals aren't great. And if you're lucky enough to um, have money, basically, because most people don't have money, uh, you're given eleven fifty a week if you're a standard prisoner, which I, or a basic prisoner, um, which I was, to live on, basically. Um, and then you can get money from outside. But uh, yeah, they didn't tell me about the shop. So I didn't have any like extra food rather than the ones that they were giving me. But then once I was able to do the shop it was reasonable to live off the 11.50 for me because I don't smoke um but people who smoke it's really not they really can't live off that um and the the area of the prison I was in was like the best area of the prison I think I just got lucky because I could have been sticking stuck in the small yard which is awful but I was able to be in like they call it a privileged house which is mainly um enhanced prisoners 
We talked about this with Zach as well, like the hierarchies um, within the prison system and how they just perpetuate uh, divides within society. Like how he got offered once the the warden talked to him and realized he was an educated man, he got offered a cell not to be with the guy he was with. You know, like there's just it's so fucked up. So I know that it's just shite to say the least but was your experience like overall did you find it in a way restful because you weren't able to do any protests and were the people that you were there with nice you know if other people are concerned about getting arrested and having a negative experience obviously there there is going to be some negativity because of our police system not being great but like how how was it overall the 10 days in isolation was very hard because of the lack of human contact um, mm. and the officers aren't very nice and you're completely reliant on them because you can't get out of the cell. So if you need anything like I didn't have any clothes or underwear or, you know, sometimes you'd run out of cereal or because that's what they give you. For or breakfast. even like sanitary products and things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't think I had my period at that time, so it was all right. But um, yeah, so like if I was, I ran out of clean underwear, then I'd have to like, I just sit there in my like this night dress thing that they gave me, which was like really uncomfortable and awful and just wait for someone to like open the little hatch in the door and look in on you and then you hope that you can catch them. But if you miss them, then it might be like an hour or so or more before they come back around. And the phone wasn't in the cell. So if I needed to make a phone call, which are allowed only one phone call, that's six minutes um, each day, which is quite rough again. um, And they wouldn't put the numbers I wanted to put on my phone card on my phone card. And so, yeah, that was like, that's quite difficult because like, you know, you really don't have a lot of power there was some nice officer well like I say nice officer but like it's like it is like Stockholm syndrome it's like the literal like any form of human kindness you're just so grateful for at the time you're like oh my god they're a lovely person they give me a book and it's like yeah but they locked you in a cell and they go about that like every day do you know what I mean I had when I had books it was all right but like it was like the isolation was like really rough and I had some like really dark days but you know I got moved to a nicer cell halfway through and there was a window and that was nice um and there was a shower and stuff and like my prison experience is like so much better even though it was awful than so many other people as well like this system is so corrupt and so awful and there's people in there like who are in there for like not being able to pay 50 euro for bail. Like that's why they're in prison for like months. And there's people who are just like, you know, just robbing to feed their families or robbing to like feed their drug habits because they've had such a fucked up life. 90% of the people in there should not be in there. They just need some help. But yeah, then like you did, you, the other prisoners, like prison isn't as scary as you think it was. Like it's hard to, like, it's not like any experience I've ever had in my life. Like, and I don't I can't relate it to anything else because it's just so such an outlier and like I'd met people because like I'm come from like a pretty privileged background I'd never met like people who dealt with half of the stuff that the women inside there were dealing with and it's horrific to look around and see like every single person in there bear like one person who was in for forgery and myself just really really poor and like that's it and it's like they're poor people aren't the only criminals quote unquote like that's not right there's so many people mm-hmm like who are more than that doing bad things and like where are they it seems like really convenient that it's only the poor people that are in prison 
you can realize like on an intellectual level i guess like how fucked this system is how awful the justice system is that punitive justice doesn't work and all these other concepts that we like lefties talk about or whatever but like to actually see it and be like oh my god these people's lives are just like awful and to experience a bit of it yourself the worst thing about it was the heartbreak of like realizing like how how much people can suffer because of our negligence and because of like you know this system just being awful to people I was warned before I went there by the solicitor and the the guard that took me to prison that like, you know, the Docus is a very rough place with full of like dangerous women and you don't want to like you don't you don't belong here, you like left wing like or little like, you know, middle class person who doesn't understand the world or whatever. You're not tough enough for this and like that's not the that's not prison. Prison is like full of like women who like I got so looked after by the other women in there I've chronic fatigue I couldn't get out of bed to get my meals someday they'd collect them and they bring them up to me they'd check in and make sure I was okay they'd take me out and walk around the yard with me they you know I always had someone like if I needed to you know cry some days and be like Christ this is awful I had a woman that I could go to for that and just like she'd give you a hug and be like look it's gonna be okay and I had like people I could just have the laugh with and just really kind people you know they're not they're not bad it's not bad people prison isn't full of bad people at all and mm-hmm. it's not like really like okay there's an element of violence in there but it's not like the movies like you're worried about being like shanked all the time or whatever like it's more that like it's just a bunch of people who've been really traumatized and really hurt who are just being fucked over and who want to help each other out in through this really bad experience that they're all going through and who want to you know never end up there again and just want to like live most of them just want to go back to their kids like and they just don't want to be there and just try and make the experience a little less shit for each other like the first day I got there this woman came up and just gave me some clothes she was like we're roughly the same size you don't have any clothes here's some clothes I don't know anything about you but here's some clothes it's that as well as the like horror of of it all yeah humans are kind at nature but then there's people who I don't know get into politics or get into systems or they're brought up thinking that they're better than other people and it just perpetuates itself um so I want to fast forward then we're going to talk about what you've kind of been experiencing with the movement in the UK but because we have a close I guess on what actually happens with the outcome so you spent five weeks I think was it in, in prison in total and then you appeared in court only last week or the week before days are nothing to me anymore and you were given a you you and Zach were both convicted even though like I just think it's a bit wild that he was just with you and could have known nothing about it and just filmed but he was obviously they saw him as a complicit and you were both convicted of criminal damage and fined two thousand euro each is that what happened four four thousand euro each Jesus like, I think there's definitely an element of misogyny into why Zach was, was charged because the papers and the guard were making out that I was basically too dumb <laughs> to have done it myself and that I needed Zach to tell me what to do and that he was egging me on. And like, again, just to like highlight this, the only people that have been, all the witnesses and the guards, the prosecutor and the judge were all men. <sighs> 
it's just such bullshit. It's because of the testimony of the two guys that were came up and, and grabbed me that the guards then thought that Zach was egging me on because they were looked at it and they said, oh, this couldn't possibly be the case. Like, it has to be this tall man. It couldn't possibly be me. And then the guard interpreted that with their own biases as well. And we're like, oh, yeah, of course, this is the case. You know, dumb girl can't be doing it. And then the papers also propagated that. And then the judge and the prosecutor again said that the same thing um, that he was egging me on and stuff. And it's because like, it's just such misogyny. I don't think if Zach was a woman that this would have happened. I don't think mm-hmm. that at all. Or if I was a man, I think it wouldn't have been the case. But it's just... Be- or if some of the witnesses were women, I think it would have been a completely different story. And as well, it, the other element is that they want to come down hard on us and they want to just, you know, take away every every like method of, of protecting ourselves that we have. Like when we were in court we were we had to take the stand and they asked Zach why he did it and Zach said I did it or not did it did what he did which was filmed yeah filming just live streaming it that's all he did he didn't have anything to do with any of the rest of them they asked him why did you pick the Department of Foreign Affairs he said I didn't pick the Department of Foreign Affairs because he didn't do it because I picked it because I planned it they asked him anyway why he why he was there basically that day and he said I was there to protect Orla and that's why he was there. He was there to film because the guards are absolute assholes and they we've seen that they will will assault people. They yeah, so it was there he was there to like document so that I wouldn't be hurt and, and also to get the message out there and like that's how he got punished for doing that and like it's just trying to intimidate people so that we won't have support people next time so that we won't have people filming. That is so outrageous and so disgusting that that's been allowed to happen. And there was no jury for this. Was this all just evidence before a judge and the judge got to decide? Yeah, it was just a judge and it was a district court judge, which is the the lowest level. Like this judge has a history, Judge Hughes has a history of giving lenient sentences and siding with domestic abusers. Like he's been called out for this in the past. So again, a man with a fucking history of misogyny and obviously doesn't really respect um, people's rights. And he obviously pleaded the case that well you pleaded the case that you're you're doing this act of criminal damage to save you know to highlight the eco side that the government is complicit in and did they heed that at all so the annoying thing is that we put forward a legal case with really good case points and uh precedent from different um other common law countries using the EU Declaration of Human Rights, which says that you've that there's a necessity defence within that that says that you have right to freedom of expression and right to protest, um, and that that this would come under that. And there's also cases in the UK where that has been used and upheld, um, in very similar um you know similar paint protests. Um, also in Azerbaijan there was um. Uh, cases where they spray painted different um, statues and things like that they were acquitted like there's loads of different examples in loads of different countries where this this defense has been used and been accepted and then it just wasn't to in our case and it was it was horrible like the the prosecutor was awful 
he couldn't even look at us as well when he was um when he was cross-examining us he would not look us in the eyes um he was being so snide so sarcastic and so dismissive and condescending he was literally like making all these different facial expressions and said that like i couldn't possibly think of like how you would do that that doesn't make any sense now does it and like this kind of thing and like he gets to express himself in that way but then i'm continuously and me and zach were being continuously cut off whenever we tried to express ourselves and say like why we did it and the law like says that you have to have a reasonable belief that you were going to protect other people and that's why you were doing it and so we had to communicate that we had a re- our belief at that time and why we did it and so we had to be let do that in order to prevent present a defense and we were being cut off continuously said that our points were irrelevant they wanted to judge us on our actions but they weren't allowing us to speak to why we did it and like i never said that i we pled not guilty zach not guilty because he didn't do it um but he was being done for joint enterprise which means that if you knew about it you are as guilty as a person that did it which is absolute like that law is used in like murder cases which yeah it's true if you knew about a murder yeah. if you were holding someone down someone explained it as if you were holding someone down while the other person beat them to death but like that's not the same thing as like someone throwing paint and another person filming that that law shouldn't be used in that way at all yeah. it's literally just to intimidate people it's such a shitty outcome and like we were mentioning before like how I don't personally understand how our justice system can all fall on the shoulders of this person who is supposed to be unbiased but we have seen from various court cases that they're not unbiased they always have bias nearly so but then you've been working in the UK recently where well not working but like helping volunteering over there because they have like an activist movement with a group called um there's a group called Just Stop Oil which have been making the headlines a lot because they have been blocking motorways and getting you know quite a lot of media attention so before we go in I guess to what's been happening over there this might be an annoying question to ask but if our justice system is that screwed up is there a point still in putting yourself into being civilly resistance and and disobedient disobedient if our justice system is screwed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because our justice system is screw, screw, so screwed is why we have to take part in civil resistance. It's like, I, I said afterwards when I um did a video for, you know, Extinction Rebellion about like, you know, the outcomes of the case. And I said, I feel vindicated by this result. And like, that might seem like a weird thing to do after you've just been convicted. But like, why we have to take part in civil resistance, why we can't just vote or use our money or hold a sign or do a petition is because this system is so screwed and that's so exemplified by the justice system being as screwed as it is and like so you will face repression like every movement that has ever challenged anything has faced insane repression like we talked about the freedom riders earlier like they were thrown in prison like after being the ship eaten out of them and their bus setting on fire the suffragettes were like you know thrown in prison assaulted and force fed when they went on hunger strike to join you know and continue their civil resistance we've seen this in every movement that people do get repressed because that is the state fighting back and 
it shows like also the importance of non-violence like a violent a bully like the state like and when I say the state I can be referring to so many different countries around the world but like the Irish state for example like it's a bully like that's what it does that's how it defends itself it's through violence and that's all they can do is threaten because they've lost the legitimacy of being able to have a conversation with us because they're not doing their job like your role is meant to be to govern this country to protect your citizens and you're actively killing them through having a horrible healthcare system the housing crisis direct provision and obviously the climate crisis and fueling more fossil fuel projects like things that are intensifying this crisis not allowing agriculture to just expand and expand and expand not having good um public transport links um okaying projects like shannon lng terrible agreements like ceta and these data centers that are just insane and so this government has lost its legitimacy and its only way to fight back is through repression is through this inherent violence of throwing people in prison of um, having these court cases of slamming people with four grand fines when they're earning well below the poverty line and they know that and so like it doesn't at all like I wouldn't say that at all that this that this means that civil resistance is pointless it's precisely it's so powerful because of this but how, how bad it's gotten does that mean that like you're risking a lot when you do it yes of course you are and it's horrific and no one should have to do that but that is the point that we're at and the more people that we have the less they can repress us the more people are outraged the more people come together through this repression like that is literally a social theory is like this idea of the backfire effect so it's like when you do something that challenges the system and it fights back with this repressive force whether that be like in you know horrific regimes like dictatorships shooting into a crowd or whether it be like in more social democracies or whatever like you know sending people to prison or you know stopping you them major and stuff. that we come together around that we say well that is outrageous you shouldn't be doing that to our people we are here for our people we are here for what this represents we are a community and we will fight for better we will fight for good change and like that's what we need like the reason they were able to repress me and Zach so much is because there was literally just two of us if there had been 10 even it would have been harder to do Mm -hmm. um and it's through like everyone can use their power in different ways to highlight these injustices to highlight these repressions when they happen and also joining us in doing these actual acts as well that protects us too and that makes us so much stronger and like I realized that's why I had to emigrate realistically is because there was no one else in Ireland willing to do it like it just wasn't happening so I couldn't do any more myself I'd literally went to prison for five weeks was gonna just keep going back to prison up by myself and like it wasn't really achieving much was it like it, it inspired some people to do some change it got a little bit of media coverage but it's not going to be the thing that's going to shake the system up in the way it's needed if we need so many more people willing to take direct action and so like yeah that's what we need what do we need in Ireland we need a strong civil resistance movement and we have so much like potential in this country like Ireland is so amazing in so many different ways we have such a history of like being there for each other like that's so much part of Irish culture is like supporting your neighbours and like being kind and charitable and giving aid like that's such a such a big massive thing in this country and through growing up has been so much a, part, a massive part of my life within this country and seeing that like amazing amazing community spirit but then it's so disheartening to see that not come into fruition and with challenging the system because we're very much like oh we don't want to challenge anything we don't want to challenge it and we're also in so much denial about this crisis 
but we should be able to see it. I mean, like my dad's a dairy farmer, like you can see it within dairy farming, the climate crisis. He said one year, like the grass was growing on Christmas Day. That's not right. We know what's happening. We can see it around us. Um, and yet somehow we're not, I don't know if we're not empowered enough to do it or if we're so apathetic. And I guess the two go in hand in hand. But like, we need to realise our power. We have so much power and we need to realise this government does not represent us. And I'm not here representing any political party because I don't think any political party does represent the people of Ireland and is actually doing what we need to do. What we need to do is take the power back into our own hands through civil resistance and say, I'm not going to obey this fucked up system anymore and use our power within whatever sphere that we have, whether you're in the media, highlight other people that are doing good things, write articles about meaningfulness, tell the truth. Whatever sector you're in, I can't think of all the different sectors, but like Mm -hmm. we all have our distinct power, our element of that we can add to this, uh, add to this fight, add to this um, resistance. And we need to look within ourselves, find that and, and use it and come together as a movement to do that. So like I like my Instagram is open, my Facebook is are and Twitter DMs are always open. Like get in touch if you want to do something because like we really need to to start something in this country. It breaks my heart that like there's resistant campaigns happening in all these different countries, but not Ireland. Like where is our movement? Where are our people? Where is the fighting spirit? Where is like we're literally like famous for rebellions and resistance and creativity and all these other things like we should be at the forefront of this fight and yet we we are not yeah that's really important and I think we hold so much privilege as well like there are people who if they go out and protest they're literally risking their lives like they may get shot they literally may be murdered by their government whereas over here the worst case scenario is a fine and prison time and of course you know some people do have they might be single parents or there there are they don't have um a visa you know and they're a refugee or you know there are some people who might not be able to put themselves in that position but for people who can i think it is really important um but before we go i would love to hear in the uk what kind of things have you been getting up to over there and what's what's the feeling what kind of things have you been experiencing and the protests movement over there it's something i definitely felt like here with i was trying to do civil resistance and even when i had like some support from the uk over here was that like it was mainly older people like there wasn't a lot of other youth like working in this at all whereas in the uk with just stop oil like there's we've so many young people so many people the same age as me going through the same things who are uniting and who are just like yeah just forming the civil resistance community and fighting for our future and fighting for um the people who are being killed right now in the global south and just coming together to fight for better and to realize that we have to do that and like it's like it's horrific like that i've experienced like torture from the police cells uh you know been at heights where i thought i was gonna like fall and die um seen my friends go to prison all this horrible stuff which like needs to be talked about and this climate crisis just getting worse and worse and worse i mean it's 59 degrees in fucking spain at the moment but then at the same time like i've learned through being part of just stop oil about like all the hope and about and just seeing all the love of different people and experience that so much more and like being able to be up on like these like I did these a few actions where you're up on like oil um terminal pipes so it's like 10 feet up in the air or more 10 meters or whatever I'm I'm not really good with heights but very high up in the air mm-hmm. and like not a lot of protecting you from falling 
and you're there with like your best you're just really good friends and you're just having the chats and just like being there for each other being together with each other to resist this toxic system and like again when I did the action like in Edinburgh which felt like a bit of a I guess full circle moment we did we threw um red paint at the um the UK government hub in Edinburgh um when they passed Jackdaw which is a, a new gas field which is insane that they're okaying new gas projects and just to to show our outrage and like all of us like just it was all um non-men as well and all of us like in our 20 or yeah all of us in our 20s and it was just the power of that of like we just all came together and we were like this is horrific that they've done this and we need to voice our outrage and no one else is going to do this it was literally just like the six of us five of us threw the paint first and just were there and it was just so like almost cathartic to just like get the red paint on our hands and just all over the building just put the handprints all over the building and write blood is on your hands and just just fuel that like absolute horror of like what they are doing it's just so lovely to be part of a community of people who care and who are willing to like sacrifice so much because they love this world so much because we love each other so much and because yeah we just want to do the right thing and like it's just yeah I've met so many absolutely brilliant people of all ages as well uh, some people who've been like doing this their whole lives just trying to live a good life and like are just still going at the age of 60 after like all this time and in a world where we often are, are selfish and self-fulfilling and just chasing money and it's kind of like what we're we're I we're taught to do I guess so that we won't be like end up like homeless and stuff that we have to chase money get your degree do a shit job and like do all this stuff that we just don't really want to do whereas this this community of people that are deciding like no we're just going to be there for each other those of us that have enough to support the other ones are going to support the other ones and we're just going to learn from each other and be here and yeah this crisis might be so bad that like this is the end but like we're gonna go down with a bit of dignity if we're going down I I love those people so much and I'm I'm so so like eternally grateful that I've been able to to go over and that I decided to go to cop and then randomly ended up meeting these people and just finding your tribe that's amazing yeah does is that what recharges your batteries have you any advice or what do you do yourself to keep at this fight I think like I, I'm not the best. I like I burnt out a few times and I kind of I'm in a cycle of boom and bust a lot of the time. I'm trying to get better. And it's really hard when it's like it's literally the end of the world and people are dying on the daily basis and you're just thinking of like every gram of CO two that's being added into the atmosphere every second is like causing more suffering. But then you have to like feel that grief and look that pain in the face, which I think a lot of us don't do and we need to do that element but then also like understand that like why we're grieving and why we're feeling that pain so much is because we love this world and we love people in it and we love all the things that like make us humans Mm -hmm. that has you have to be able to recognize that side too and it can be really hard because you get, get, get into this tunnel of like pain suffering bad humans are horrible and sometimes we can be but like that's not our story like it's not just about that and like you have to be able to see the beauty of different people and I've been so lucky to meet so many people that are so beautiful but also going out and like 
going for a swim in a waterfall and you know it's amazing in Glasgow you can just hop on a train and go to like or a bus and go to like Loch Lomond or Campsie Glen or all these different places that I've got to see and it's just so amazing and like that's why we're here that's why we're we're doing this that's why we're resisting is is to protect each other is to protect all this beauty and we need to be able to experience it as well even though sometimes I think I feel guilty for like wanting to do that but like you have to be able to resource yourself you have to be able to experience joy and love otherwise yeah we'll just become shells of ourselves and I've seen like some people can become like just so beaten up and beaten down by this system and of course you will because it's so awful but like we can't let ourselves become them we can't let ourselves be filled with like hate and rage at obviously there's some elements of those and that can be healthy but like just completely driven by that and not see like humans are great and like we can we have to like heal ourselves and each other as as absolute hippie bullshit as that sounds which I hate (laughs) but like it is like true in some ways that like we do have to see beyond this system like you have to be able to see what you want to achieve you can't just be like stop 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 this um yeah and it's about balance because I think that sometimes people are like you know I I sometimes don't want to talk about the joy and the hope because I'm like we don't get that until you start fighting you don't get to appreciate all of that like I'm just angry at people for like not doing enough and and this toxic positivity of like put a happy spin on like people dying I'm like no I'm not going to do that but like we can also appreciate that like the things that we can gain by by changing and by living better lives and even by just the resistance that we're doing right now like you can it's really difficult and it's horrible to see some of the stuff I've seen Mm. but like it's also absolutely amazing to to be part of this community to see and and to like feel the power of it like not in the exploitative power way more of in the like empowerment way that like I have agency I I'm not just a voter I'm not just a consumer I'm a human and I can have thoughts and about the world and how I think it should be and I can express them and I can find a way to like actualize them and not not just about policy and all this like you know like really standard political stuff it's also like about taking it into your own hands and 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 using civil resistance to to make a better world Now guys, I know that wasn't an easy listen all the way through, but unfortunately, as many of you know, the news reports and the actual reality of our climate situation is not easy to digest either. And I hope that you have been inspired in some way, shape or form to support and get active in civil disobedience and civil resistance if you can. There are so many different versions of this. Check out Zach's episode as well. And like Orla's inbox is open. I've linked their Instagram account here so you can message them with any like questions or um, just if you have any ideas of actions you want to take, shoot them a message. Again, if you have if you have a protest or something that you would love to see happen, contact um, Extinction Rebellion or any other civil resistance group that you know of in Ireland or in your vicinity and get their help with it. See what volunteers are free to help you and they will like join you in your cause, hopefully, if there are people available. And yeah, they're 
there. I think we just need more and more people to get involved with the civil resistance movement in Ireland and then it will start snowballing. It is in so many other countries across the world, but here we just... I don't know what it is. It's it is it is lacking, unfortunately, and I think it's gotten to a point where we need to be ringing the alarm bells as loud as we possibly can before the climate gets worse and worse and becomes the alarm bell itself. Which, of course, we want to avoid it getting that far. So we have to be the alarm bell ourselves. Anyway, this has been a long enough interview, so I'm going to leave it there. Uh, again keep in touch with Orla you'll also find myself on social media I've linked everything that we mentioned in the show notes and in the meantime mind yourselves do things to recharge your batteries but also get active and find your tribe find people who um, recharge you and support you and you know just do what you can when you can and step outside your comfort zone when you're able to as well for those of us who cannot do that for the people in in countries where um you know that they basically need western countries to rattle the cages because we do have more power in the systems that are set up anyway again look i could talk for ages about this thank you so much for listening and again if you want to be on the podcast get in touch and yeah I will hopefully see a few of you this coming Sunday, the 31st of July at All Together Now at two o'clock in, I don't know where I'm actually going to be playing, but sure, look, where I'm going to be playing, where I'm going to be chatting to people and listening to their art pieces, but you will find me there and I'll share on my social media. Okay, mind yourselves, mind each other, mind the planet and sending you a lot of love, guys. Take care. Bye.